Welcome to Sports Bites, your bite-sized podcast serving up the perfect blend of sports and food. I'm your host, Chris Joseph, and in each episode, I'll look to tackle the latest sports buzz while including the tastiest bites. In this episode, I'm going to break down the weekend's football action, talk about my trip to Atlanta, okay? I talked about five games to watch this weekend in college football. And I started with my upset special pick. Wyoming was playing at Air Force, and the Cowboys were an 11-point underdog. Now, Andrew Peasley, the quarterback, did everything he could to get the Cowboys the win Saturday night. He was 15-25 for 212 yards, three touchdowns through the air, 48 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. He was responsible for all the scores Wyoming had. Now, I'll say this. I did not give Air Force enough credit due to the schedule that they had. But again, all they could do is play the teams that were put in front of them. But once again, fundamental option football is just fun for me to watch. I absolutely love watching fundamental option football. It's a lot of fun. Now, Zach Larrier, a decent passer. He isn't asked to do it much, but he's capable. Went 6 of 9, 58 yards, a touchdown. Led the Falcons with 111 yards on the ground and a touchdown. I see the score when I'm in Atlanta and Wyoming's up 14 to nothing. And I'm like... Oh, man, my, my, my pick's looking good. It's looking good. Heading into the half, Wyoming's leading 21-17. Air Force came out, started the second half with a 17-play, 75-yard, 10-minute, 13-second clock-chewing drive to take the lead for the first time in the game. And if you haven't seen games like that, they will get you. I remember when Oklahoma played Army, and it's just, it's it's three yards, three yards, three yards, you know, four yards, three yards, three yards. And they just eat the clock. Next thing you know, the quarter's already gone. The quarter's gone. I mean, 10 minutes and 13 seconds, 17 plays, and it just demoralizes you. Late in the fourth quarter, Air Force adds a field goal from Matthew DePore to make it uh, 27-21. But after stopping Wyoming again, Air Force fumbled the ball deep in their own territory. Peasley scored real quick five plays with a pass to Trayton Welch, but they had the PAT blocked. Both teams, you know, they traded possessions. Both teams traded possessions, and on a third and three from the Air Force 42, John Lee Eldridge took off to the wild blue yonder. Wyoming has loaded the box. Jones pitches. Eldridge breaks loose. Eldridge 40. Eldridge 20. Eldridge 10. If you see the play, it looks like Eldridge did get knocked out early, but again, the the official right there calls him a touchdown, a great run. My hat's off to the Air Force Academy. I mean, Wyoming came in on a high note. They had just beat Fresno State, and now Air Force, they joined Liberty, and James Madison is the only undefeated teams in the group of five left. So kudos to Air Force. Next up is the Navy game. I I I just I'm not excited to see what Air Force might do to the midshipmen. I think it's going to be a long day for the middies. I think Air Force is going to run right through them. Uh, again, I'm really impressed with what I saw from Zach Larrier. Solid passer, not asked to do it a lot, but very efficient. I mean, I think he's completing almost 70% of his passes this year and playing clean football. That That's what you need to do. And you'll see when I talk about these games, that's kind of a pattern you're going to see turnover or clean football. 
Who's going to win? Now, it doesn't always work out that time, but a lot of the time when you play clean football, you're going to win, especially in big games. The next game I featured, UCLA at Oregon State, and freaking Beavers, man, they keep finding ways to win, even though I don't believe in them. The defense was the difference for the Beavers as they really harassed true freshman Dante Moore into three interceptions on the night. One was housed right before halftime to push Oregon State's lead to 23-10. The Beavs made it 36-17 heading into the fourth quarter with DJ Uyunglele's second TD pass hit Jack Veiling for 32 yards. UCLA added another score with Carson Steele's seven-yard touchdown run. Now, he's a pretty solid running back, but it was ne- that was pretty much as close as they could get. And Silas Bolden continues to be a threat to score as he did here on this 43-yard touchdown strike. 93 rushing yards. We're only averaging 67 per game coming Uh-oh. in. Oh, wide open. That's Bolden. Silas Bolden, again, he can score in a variety of ways. Jet sweeps, pop passes, stuff like that. A lot of speed. I still think a better defense will make DJ Uyunglele play worse. They still have Washington and Oregon on the schedule. We'll see. My number three game of the weekend, Miami. Travel to Chapel Hill to take on the Tar Heels. And I'm going to tell you, Drake May loves having Tez Walker back. That combo hooked up for six connections, 132 yards, three touchdowns. The Tar Heels won 41-31 to keep pace with Florida State in the ACC. Now, the running back, Omari and Hampton, didn't have a bad night either. He rushed for 197 yards on 24 carries, one score. But the night was Tez Walker's. Finally, a full week to prepare. And I talked about that in the last episode. What could he do having a full week of preparation? Because in the last game, he only had a couple days couple catches for 43 yards, I think, against Syracuse. You know, and, you know, Andy, or I say Andy, Tyler Van Dyke and the Canes would not go quietly into that good night. He threw for two of his four touchdowns late in the game. And, of course, it was, it was pretty much already decided. But Van Dyke threw for 391 yards, but two turnovers in a third quarter that saw a low snap and an interception to where that third quarter, the Hurricanes only gained 32 yards of offense. 32 yards, and North Carolina with 24 straight points blew the game open. Only big issue, really, that I think with, you know, for North Carolina fans, 14 penalties in that game, 147 yards. But Carolina's undefeated and looking good. They won't have to meet Florida State unless there's, you know, a stumble down the stretch for for Florida State. But up next, UNC takes on Virginia. Miami takes on Clemson, which could be a big game. But Tez Walker... Just had a had himself a field day in that game. It is one for one in this half. Launching it again for Walker. He has it. Touchdown. He got behind Jaden Davis without being held that time. 56 yards, second score of the night for Walker. For my OU fans that listen, yes, that is former Sooner Jaden Davis getting torched. Tez Walker. Man, he's he's really good. I know there's a lot of people that wanted Tez Walker and his services, but it, it's going to be, you know, I, I think watching them play, they're a threat to Florida State. They're a threat. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Florida State's got a big game coming up this week. We're going to talk about that later on in the week. My number two game was something I think a lot of people outside the state of California really enjoyed. Notre Dame beat down USC 48 to 20, what I feel maybe just the first of a few more losses for the Trojans, right? 
Caleb Williams was pressured most of the night. Notre Dame forced him into three interceptions. He was sacked three times. He looked flustered. He looked frustrated. And it was a great bounce-back win for Notre Dame after getting beat pretty soundly by Louisville the week before. Audric Estime, really good night, controlling the game. 22 carries, 95 yards, and two touchdowns. And just when the night was going down the drains for USC, they had a glimmer of hope, scoring a touchdown in the fourth quarter to make it 31-21. But Notre Dame said, nope, we're going to shut down your night right now. It's 31-20. Okay, we need a touchdown, two-point conversion, and a field goal to tie, and we got plenty of time to do it. Two-possession game, and here we go. This is Price bringing it out, trying to return Uh of his own. Now Jadarian Price turning on the Jets. 20-10 touchdown (laughs) Notre Dame. Wow. Jadarian Price, 99 yards, house call. And shortly after that, it just kept getting worse for USC. Strip, fumble, score. Couple more sacks of Caleb Williams. He's throwing the ball like a you know away like an upset child that couldn't get his pacifier. But again, just soft defense, soft teams. Notre Dame pushed them around like Utah did last year. But don't worry, Lincoln Riley said what he always says. He was quoted as saying, "You know, we're really close. We're not far." If you watch his post game press conference, and I know Oklahoma fans, it looked like a copy and paste of exactly every press conference that he had when he was at the University of Oklahoma. Plain and simple. It looked like every press conference he had. And as watching the post-game press conference, the first thing you hear is Caleb Williams whining about having to stand to do the post-game. Go cry, a, cry me a river, dude. But almost word for word, every press conference that Riley had after a disappointing Oklahoma loss. USC will host Utah, the team that bullied them twice last year. Notre Dame plays Pitt. You wouldn't think that's important, but Pitt just knocked off the Louisville team that beat Notre Dame the week prior. So could be really interesting what happens in that game. Pay attention to Pitt and Notre Dame. My number one game of the week turned out being a classic, man. Pac-12 showdown in Washington as the Oregon Ducks took on the Washington Huskies. A Heisman frontrunner battle a chance to claim an edge in the Pac-12, possibly a potential playoff spot. And the game lived up to the hype. It was back and forth like last year. These two teams are really evenly matched and watching both these top-level quarterbacks play. It was just a lot of fun. Both Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. threw for over 300 yards. Penix Jr. ended his day with four touchdowns and one interception to Bo Nix's two touchdowns. It was an offensive shootout. Both teams amassed just under 1,000 yards of total offense. There were 55 first downs in total. There's a goal line stand, only one turnover, not very many penalties. Overall, a a good game to watch, you know, and if you remember my breakdown in the last episode, I said, watch out for the two-star receivers, and they both balled out. Troy Franklin from Oregon had eight receptions, 154 yards, one touchdown. Roma Dunze, eight catches, 128 yards, two touchdowns, and what would eventually be the game winner. Watching for the end zone. Forget being patient. Odunze. And Washington takes the lead. My goodness. What a one-two punch from Penix. A lot of change from when Penix was playing at Indiana. He's a, he's a really exceptional quarterback. Now, it was a great game. 
They take the lead. It's 36-33. Oregon has a chance to come down. If you also remember in the last episode, I brought up Camden Lewis, the kicker for the Oregon Ducks, and that he had had some issues with missing a field goal, with missing of late. Dan Lanning was quoted saying he had full belief in his kicker. No worries. Maybe you should worry. This from 42. Good snap. Good hold. Kick is on the way. Kick is up. End over end kick. He's good. He missed it. He missed it wide right. He missed it wide right. I don't believe it, Cam. I don't believe it. It's pandemonium at Husky Stadium. You're not keeping him off the field here. Washington 36, Oregon 33 in a classic. And it was a classic. It was a classic. Now, I'm, I'm going to say this. That was the Washington radio broadcast. As somebody who has done play-by-play, as somebody that has dealt with somebody poaching their line, let's say that, I don't like hearing them say, you're not going to keep them off the field here. For anybody who watches sports, for anybody who listens to college football, you all remember 2014, the kick six, Rod Bramlett, the iconic call. You're not going to keep him off the field tonight. The Auburn play-by-play, you know, rest in peace, him and his wife. Um, I just, you know, I get it. It's emotional. It, you're kind of flying by the seat of your pants. They're excited. But, you know, you do think about kind of stuff like that when you're going into a game. What am I going to say if it's exciting? You know, and I wouldn't say you pre-plan it, but you kind of have it in your mind what's okay to say, what's not okay to say. And I'll say I just I don't like I don't like him using that, even though it wasn't the exact same words that Rod Bramlett said. I think that it was more iconic, and it'll never be topped. That call from from Rob Bramlett will will never be top. But I mean, again, a great game. Now in the Pac-12, USC they're still undefeated in the Pac-12. Now they may have lost to Notre Dame, but they're undefeated in the Pac-12. So USC and Washington set alone at the top. They have a matchup looming, but for now, to the victor go the spoils. So great game there. Top ten is outlook of the top ten this week. What happened? North Carolina comes in at number ten. They're up two spots. So good for the Tar Heels. Uh, They play Duke this week. We'll talk about that game coming up on the episode on Thursday. Oregon down one spot from eight. You know, you lose by three points. You had a field goal attempt. You're probably not going to move down that much on the road against a top 10 team. Number Texas, they didn't play, but they move up a spot. And it's probably because Alabama won a game. So, you know, I know there's some fans that are like, well, how do you not play, move up a spot? That's probably why. Alabama won. Boost your you know your schedule, shrink the schedule, stuff like that. Number seven, Penn State. They moved down a spot to number seven. They've got a big game this week against Ohio State. Oklahoma to number six. Washington moves up two spots to number five. The top four doesn't change. Florida State. Now, Florida State's got a big game this week. They play Duke. We'll be checking on Riley Leonard's health, see how he can play for the Duke Blue Devils, the quarterback, kind of do everything. Ohio State. Ohio State, Penn State. This is a big game. I can't wait to kind of break this one down this week. 
Number two, Michigan, and number one, Georgia. For me, I would probably flip-flop them just, just right now. Um, just because Michigan has done everything that they were supposed to do. Now, I know you're the champ until you lose, right? You're the champ until you lose. Until someone beats you, you're the champ. I get it. But you've got to watch Georgia. And you've got to watch Michigan. You know, Georgia gave up 20-plus points to Vanderbilt. Now, the bad thing is, and I don't think you should be penalized if you lose somebody, but when you lose somebody as important as Brock Bowers, now he's getting that tightrope surgery to correct his ankle, and we all know that Tua Tungavailoa, that you know he was one that kind of really made that surgery popular. Everyone hearing about that for the first time with Tua when he was at Alabama, you know Brock is trying to get back before the season. There's still some games left could be tested. I don't know will he be back for the SEC championship? I don't know. Right now, I would have Michigan number one. I'd probably have Michigan one. I would have Florida State two. I'd probably have Georgia three, Ohio State four, Washington five, and you know, and I'm okay with the rest. But that's how I would do it. But it's going to be interesting to see what Georgia can do with no Brock Bowers. You still have Lad McConkey, but they're going to need some other people to step up. Definitely going to need some people to step up. But Michigan's rolling. They are absolutely rolling right now. And, and again, Penn State, Ohio State is a huge, huge game this week. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch that. It's a, I think it's an 11 o'clock game. I'm like, oh, gross. You, know, you have a game that big at 11 o'clock, but it is what it is. But So Saturday, for those that listen know, I headed to Atlanta. Me and my wife, we made a road trip out to Atlanta. We we're going to be going to the Commander's Falcons game. I'm going to talk about that experience in the next episode that I'm going to cut tomorrow. Talk about the NFL. But, you know, we made it to the... Georgia Aquarium. I love the aquarium. I'm a big aquarium guy. I love the ocean. I love, you know, I'm a big shark fan. I love sharks, right? So we get to the aquarium and we had gone, I want to say we went back in 2018 and we love the aquarium. For those who haven't been, I mean, the Georgia Aquarium has a large viewing area with a massive tank that, that they house Two over 20-foot whale sharks. A couple of large manta rays, a green sea. I mean, like, some huge fish in there, right? You could sit in there for hours and just watch. And, of course, I was like, well, you know, I'm going to start doing some food review stuff. I went and got some footage, and you go through the line, and, you know, it's not bad. I'll, I'll say this. It's not bad what they do at the Georgia Aquarium. And, you know, I love the sharks. So I could have sit there and watched the sharks swim around. They had hammerheads, white tip reef sharks. All, you know, I, I'm in. Love it, right? I love what I saw from, you know, the shark tanks. But when we get done, here, here's the thing. So we made a huge trip to Disney this summer. Did the whole thing. Did every park. Stayed on resort. Like, we did the whole big shebang a blowout for the kids. We were almost done with walking through the Georgia Aquarium. And I'm not trying to like sell people on not going because it's it's an amazing aquarium. I loved being there, right? But we were almost done and we were both kind of like, it's just, it doesn't feel the same as before. 
has Disney ruined it for us now? It just it was funny because we went to the Dolphin Show. The Dolphin Show seems shorter. The exhibits seem shorter to go through. I just I don't know. It just wasn't the same. Now again, the shark area, I could sit there and watch that for hours. The big oceanic view watching the whale sharks swim by, I could watch that for hours. Just peaceful. It's quiet. Serenity now. But you know, you get there and you're like, I, I want to see what they have to eat. And you know, it's 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 not bad. It's really not bad, you know. It, it's kind of cafeteria style. They've got your normal stuff, your chicken tenders, cheeseburger, double cheeseburgers. They had pizza. They had funnel cake. Now, not the funnel cake I know a lot of people are used to. Funnel cake that had like some apple slices on it. They offered a big, massive turkey leg. Um, they had some healthier options for people, obviously. But I went with the double cheeseburger. And I'm going to tell you, I enjoyed it. The only thing that I would knock the cheeseburger at the Georgia Aquarium, the bun, you could tell, had set underneath a warming light for a while, okay? Other than that, like, I think the meat, you could tell it was not a frozen patty. It was it was fresh burger, so I, I really good. Now, you are going to pay a premium because you're at a place like that. I got the double cheeseburger, fries, my wife got the little personal cheese pizza. Um, we both got waters, and she when we shared the funnel cake with the apple slices, right? It was like forty five bucks for all that. Burger was not bad. Double cheeseburger. They wanted three dollars to add bacon onto it, and I was like, ah, you know, I'm okay. I'm not going to spend three dollars for bacon. Overall, not bad, not bad at all. But it just it wasn't the same. As going to, you know, Disney and meet the Food and Wine Festival. At Dis- I mean, it was it was amazing. But again, I just, I kind of felt bad because we had done so much and you know, we loved being at the Georgia Aquarium, and it just felt like it wasn't the same anymore. But we made it back to the hotel. We kind of relaxed, you know, watched the Oregon Washington game, and then it was time to go to dinner. And man, let me tell you, dinner? Oh, we decided on Italian. I love a good Italian restaurant. This place is called Prisci, P-R-I-C-C-I, located in the Buckhead area. So if you're going to Atlanta, I need you to check them out. First off, I'm like the customer service that they have is amazing. We were going to be a little bit late. We had 7 o'clock reservations right and my wife left I hate being late I hate being late but traffic was going to make us late so I reach out and I call the restaurant speak with the hostess let her know what's going on Mr. Joseph no problem we'll see you when you get here we get there Valet Park it's three bucks three bucks to Valet Park you know not a lot of parking in the area cool no biggie bro take the valet we get in the Mater D. He's outstanding, you know, and I I like to comment and compliment people when they give good customer service. Great customer service. I said, hey, man, just so you know, she was the one that took care of me on the phone. I appreciate her professionalism, how well she handled it. Hey, no problem. Everything's great. 
come on, let's have a seat, ask where we were from, what we were in town for. They passed it on to the servers. We talked to the, sh- the sous chef. He came out. The head chef came out from southern Italy, you know, kind of talking about the cuisine, going over the specials. And I love a place. Look, I, I love good food. And if I'm going to go to a nice restaurant, the experience is part of it. And when the wait staff knows what they're talking about, when they describe the food, they know what the specials are. You ask them about a wine pairing, they know exactly what it is. And, and it was really good. So we sit down, my wife and I were looking. You know, they came out, they brought an appetizer and a moose bouche, if you will. And my wife's not really big on fish, and it was like a, a seared tuna with a butternut squash puree. Oh, amazing. I almost licked the bowl. Almost licked the bowl. But we decided on a large, now this is a large charcuterie board. Italian meats and cheese board. Made for two, right? Had speck ham, salami bellice, prosciutto di parma, spicy soppressata, pate di campagna, pecorino, fresh mozzarella, had some lightly pickled vegetables. I brought out a fresh focaccia. Oh, it was amazing, especially that spicy soppressata. So good. So good. And I thought that was good. So they bring it out. We, we, we hammered that, right? And of course, we had a nice Sauvignon Blanc to go with the night. My wife likes to share a bottle of wine. We have a bottle of wine. Everything's good. They start talking about, you know, the specials. They mention a salad, an ensalada. So, a little frise, special cured bacon, some fresh and seasoned figs, heirloom tomato with some whipped goat cheese. One of the best things I've ever had in my life. One of the best things I've ever had in my life, okay? Hands down. The lady serving us, she did an amazing job explaining everything, taking care of us. They explained the pot, you know, hey, what do you like? What do you like? I asked for recommendations. I like cacio e pepe. And the sous chef said, man, that's one of my favorite dishes. The amount of cheese, the kind of roast pepper they put into it. So that's why I ordered. I ordered the, the cacio e pepe. My wife ordered the ravioli that had like the braised wild boar in the hand. And it was all handmade pasta. And if you've never had handmade pasta, you owe it to yourself. It's not store-bought. You can tell it's handmade pasta. They fresh the, the fresh Parmesan on there. Next to us, there the guy has a, um, a pasta dish where he's shaving fresh truffles. An amazing place, right? Now, these raviolis my wife had were amazing. Because it was kind of braised in like a Barbara wine jus. So good. Very rich, but very, very good. Okay. We get through that and we're like, okay, let's let's share a dessert. Because there was some stuff, you know, on there. We're like, okay, we could do that. We, we got what's called a bomba. The chocolate bomba, which is like a chocolate mousse. Has a nice little chocolate shell on it. Very light, airy chocolate mousse. And it was sitting in this raspberry blood orange kind of gastric reduction almost with some raspberries in it which was one of the best things i've ever had in my life and and i told the guy look man if you bring me a bowl of that raspberry sauce with some cool whip 
I'd make a fool of myself because I would just, I'd lick the bowl. It was that good. That's how much I enjoyed it. But overall, I mean, a great night, a great experience. The atmosphere was great. The staff was amazing. The maitre d' was involved. They're walking around. The chef comes out, talks to you. The sous chef, you know, they, they shake your hand when you leave. That's the kind of dining experience I like. So if you're looking for something like that, if you're in the Atlanta area, if you ever go out there, check out Preci, P-R-I-C-C-I. I highly recommend it. If I'm given the rating out of five stars, as far as quality, service, cleanliness, everything, that's a five-star restaurant to me. It is. Outstanding night. I enjoyed it. It was amazing. The food was so... And you didn't feel heavy and full after having fresh ingredients like that. So, oh, man. It was... And my wife and I, we talked about it. Probably one of the best nights. Probably one of the best dinners we've had anywhere. And we do like to go out and have some really good dinners. So, I appreciate that. It was so good. But again... To the staff out there, thank you for everything you did. You made it a wonderful, wonderful night. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode. I'm going to post it. We're going to talk tomorrow. I'm going to create another episode. I'll, I'll have that out where I'll talk about going to the Washington-Atlanta game at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. That experience, break down the weird weekend that was the NFL, and then we'll push forward and get you ready for the next weekend and college football. So thank you for tuning in to another delicious episode of Sports Bites, where we dished out the perfect blend of sports and food. I hope you savored the flavor of our discussions and found them as satisfying as your team winning on the field. If you're hungry for more, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Stay connected with us on social media for the latest updates, mouthwatering recipes, and sports insights that hit the spot. Until next time, remember to keep your appetite for sports and food alive, and may your game day snacks always be on point. Good day, everyone, and remember to always positively move forward.